This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Big Kurt from the Eyes on Big Podcast will join us a bit later to break down the upcoming Illinois game. Winner at Ruggers last week. But first, we got a win to talk about ourselves. Nebraska kept Penn State's Ofer streak going by knocking them off 30-23 to on Saturday. Tyler, how great is it to be talking about a Husker win on podcast night? Oh, it's so much better. Um, the team needed it. Frost said it. The team needed it. He needed it. The state needed it. We needed that victory. Yeah. All right, Derek. So what does this win mean for Scott Frost and the team? I I think it means the world. I I think this is a, uh, a, a bit of a turning point, really. I know Frost has talked many times about turning a corner, and I don't know that they've necessarily turned the corner, but it's definitely close. Like, that defense was really good. I, I know they gave up a lot of yards, but this is what I expect out of out of a, a Shenander defense. Uh, we talk about Ben don't break all the time, right? Right. Well, you got you you let him into the red zone, and you shut the shit down, and that's what you expect out of this defense. Well, the main story to me in this uh, game, as well as probably Husker Nation, is the new quarterback. Luke McCaffrey, you know, he took over for Adrian Martinez. We talked about the, maybe the change of uh, command ceremony that we saw uh, last game. Well, Luke McCaffrey, he does start. And how would you grade his performance, Tyler? I, I, I'd give him a B to B minus. Um, here, here's the thing. He was fine. He was fine in his first game, and he is going to get better. I saw a lot from him that leads me to believe it. Did he miss some reads? Yes. Did he make some bad passes? Yes. Um, I, I again, I, I was happy with how he performed, um, and I and I know he's going to get better. Derek, what did you think of Luke McCaffrey's first performance? I give him a C, C plus. I, I I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, his running game's still really good, and we but we knew that. His passing game didn't impress me a whole lot. His percentage is high, but we still can't throw downfield. His best play of the game was all on Xavier Betts, essentially. I mean, he ran it 45 yards. And, of course, McCaffrey got the 45-yard pass out of it because, I mean, he did throw it forward a half a yard. Uh, but But, I mean, I... Here, here's my problem. Okay, the first three drives, and this isn't just this game, and this isn't just the quarterback. Here's my problem with the whole thing is this is an ongoing thing, and this is where I told you last week I didn't think it was a quarterback problem. I think there's much more issues than just quarterback. The first three possessions, Nebraska ran 20 plays, 140 yards, seven yards per play, two touchdowns, a field goal, and that field goal should have been a touchdown if Cade Warner could, I don't know, get that man some stick him. Uh, the last 40 plays, 156 yards, only 3.8 yards per play. And we ended up with two field goals. Like, yeah. 
the first three drives, he was great. I mean, I, if, if you've judged, if I was to judge him just off that first three drives, I would, I'd have given him an A easily. Well, let me point that. But, 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 but after that, it just kind of fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, that was on the offense as a whole. I think play calling had a lot to do with that there also. But it I, is, I, I disagree. Hold on. Let's, let's get into that right now. Well, first can off, I talk about Luke I, McCaffrey's performance first? Sure. I'm sorry. All right, I'm Luke sorry. McCaffrey. So that first possession that he had, uh, you know, Nebraska quarterbacks hadn't thrown for a touchdown yet. And Luke McCaffrey, he completed a pass to Cade Warner, and it looked like Cade Warner was going to make the end zone, and he was just short by half a yard, and he punched it in. So that could have been the first touchdown thrown by a Nebraska quarterback this year on his very first drive, which was awesome. You already talked about the second drive with Luke McCaffrey, where he threw that uh, duck heater, I guess you could call it, into Luke Mc- or into uh, Cade uh, Warner's chest. He should have caught it. It wasn't a perfectly, it wasn't a great looking ball. But it was definitely catchable. So he could have had two touchdown passes on his very first two drives. And so, yeah, did did it fizzle out? But I think that was just uh, the offense as a total, especially in the second half. The play calling just wasn't great, you know. Uh, but, all right, go ahead. Uh, so if I was to grade Luke McCaffrey, I would give him a B in his first uh, performance. It wasn't great. And, and I, I, I think that's what you have to preference it, right? When you're talking about Luke... Like, fair or unfair, he is graded different than Adrian Martinez was. It just, it is. And, you know, I've seen some people, and I've talked to some people that say Adrian, because everyone thinks I'm an Adrian guy. And you I've are. been labeled you are. that way. And they said, Adrian looked better. And I'm like, yeah, he did. But this is Luke's first start. Like, it, it's okay to say that Luke, for his first start, did nice things. He played well. He got us a victory. Adrian, if that was Adrian Martinez that played that whole game and he played that exact same game as Luke McCaffrey, you would have given him an F. Like you would, you would have Justin. And that's and, not and true. So that's not true. He got yes, the win. But, My- but but but, the, but the, I mean, he his he he wasn't accurate. He did not complete balls down the field. Like he he didn't break big runs. He he was, but it was his first start, and he's gonna get better. And I think that's where you know as we move forward that the quarterback what they're going to do with the quarterback I still think they're going to need to get more out of that position and whatever capacity it is which let's go into play calling why this is such a problem just one second here I you know I'm not a Adrian Martinez hater as much as what you think but I do think that there was not as much drop off from an Adrian Martinez performance to what Luke McCaffrey brought here. I think the ceiling is going to be higher with Luke McCaffrey, but, I mean, even if Adrian Martinez played in there, I mean, he probably would have got a B, I guess. I mean, we got the win. I mean, he, he, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I would have been harsher on uh, Adrian Martinez. That's okay. And, if we, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay because it's a three-year starter versus a guy who's starting his first, first game. First. Exactly. Yeah. That's and, the and thing. It's okay to have different scales. In Husker Nation, that everyone wants to have a hot take on this, like either Luke McCaffrey played like a god or Luke McCaffrey. Like, let the kid grow. He he has a lot of potential, and I love so much about what he brings to the table. Yeah, I don't know what you're hating about his stat line, though. His stat line was pretty decent for game first game so I, I guess i'm the harsh one here uh it's not that i wasn't pleased with his performance 
I just think our, our quarterbacks are still struggling, but I think a lot of it has to do with playmakers. And here's the thing. Okay. okay I'm going to go back to the, the play calling thing. And, uh, here, here's my problem with the play calling. It's not so much the play calling itself. It's what Frost said before the game that Nebraska fans need to calm the hell down on the play calling because Scott Frost told you, hey, look, the young guys don't know the playbook as well. So what did everybody say? Well, dumb down the playbook and let the, let the young guys play. So Frost did that. And so he calls down, he, he dulls down the playbook, and then you go, well, shit, this play calling's terrible. Well, he ran the plays that the young guys knew. And they still made a lot of mistakes. This was a play calling as much as it was minor mistakes by young players. I don't think the play calling was so bad. But when you have a wide receiver that almost tackles your quarterback on because he's in route, uh, it's supposed to be a, a read option or whatever was the play was supposed to be. But Alante Brown ends up almost knocking McCaffrey yeah, over. Yeah. He just shovels it forward to Wondell Robinson. Uh, perimeter blocking when the young guys were in was – skeptical at best uh it was against a great defense i mean i don't want to say great defense but i mean a, a very athletic defense uh matter of fact sean beckton said this was a more athletic defense in his opinion than what ohio state was today uh so so i mean li- listen guys it wasn't just necessarily the play calling it was it was more to me it's still execution and that's something that's got to get better no matter what the play calling is. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, so so I just want to jump on that. You talk about fans, like, be careful what you wish for, but I've also heard fan, fans clamor that Frost needs to coach more Big Ten football, and that means slowing down the pace, and he did that with the lead. And, you know, and people say, well, where did the tempo go? Well, you can't have it both ways, guys. You can't have it... You want him to play more Big Ten football and not put the off defense on the field as much. I mean, and they still ran ninety some plays. Penn State did. Like, I I, I understand that the fear of failure. People are going to go to that tagline, and they're like, "Well, Frost isn't coaching that way." Well, that's fair. He's putting his team in the position to win the game, and and if that doesn't mean when you're up in the fourth quarter hiking the ball with. 20 seconds left on the playcock like that's not playing like you're scared that's playing smart football which is something fans have clamored where my problem with this second half in particular goes and the play calling goes is the personnel groups like i i want to set a law in nebraska that wandale robinson he's our best player wandale robinson cannot carry the ball more than 10 times in a game he just Everyone looks at him when they, he is in the backfield. Everyone knows where Wandell is because he is our best player. They are just keening on him too much. And he is a good inside runner. He is a good outside runner. But giving him the ball 16 times in a game is a bad decision by the coaches. So are you keeping that rule in there even though that Diedrich Mills got dinged up in the first quarter? Ronald Tompkins, Marvin Scott, put Adrian Martinez in the backfield, put him at quarterback, find other people that can carry the ball. Wandale will break down if you give it to him, and I don't think he's effective carrying the ball 15 times in a game. Derek? The problem is we don't have anybody that seems to be able to do it. Like, I mean, I I like Marvin Scott. I think he's got potential. I like Ronald Tompkins. I think he's got potential. 
But again, these guys are so young, they don't know the offense well. And when they do get the ball to run, they don't seem to do anything great with it. So you got to get the ball to your playmaker, and that's what everybody's saying. Again, everybody's claiming, get the ball to your playmaker. So they did that. I would argue that they haven't committed to anybody else, uh, to any of the other y- younger running backs, to even know that, but, right? They're only getting you know, sure, three to five that, touches, right? It. Sure, they know it. They know it a lot better than we do. Yeah, but I mean, they seem in pr- they seem in practice. We don't. We don't know what the hell they're doing in practice. And, and I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. We don't have that guy back there. It, it, besides Dedrick Mills, and it's questionable right now if he is that guy. But it, it is doubtful to me that we have that guy. But what I do know is this: is that the it is far too predictable when uh, Wandell Robinson is in the backfield that we are going to run some sort of running play. And and this is where I go to a two-quarterback system. This is where I'm doing something different to break up the carries for Luke McCaffrey, put Adrian Martinez at running back. But, like, the offense can't go to a Luke McCaffrey, Wandell Robinson if you get the lead. Like, we will—I'll tell you, we were going to blow some leads this season if that's what our, our we're ahead offense turns into. We almost blew this one. Well, we damn near did because of that. It, so, it, w- one more stat on offense here, just just to show you. Again, we're we're running into the same problems. It doesn't matter the quarterback. Right now, Nebraska is completing twenty three percent of their passes in the red zone. That's not just Adrian Martinez. That's Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez together. Like something's got to give. We got to start doing better in the red zone. Still. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, and again, but I I think there's. I think when you look at this season and in that Penn State game, the the most disappointing thing to me on any side of the ball is where this offensive line is. Uh, Cam Jurgens is having snap problems again. The line, man, they're not getting the push. And kudos to Penn State defense. It is a tough defense. I'm not. I, I understand that, but like our offensive line, and we're going to go to defense here in a little bit, but when we get in this season, I think we looked at three position groups across the board that were our three best. Our secondary, our de- offensive line, and our quarterbacks. Secondary, I think they're doing their part for sure. Quarterbacks, lacking, but I think they're busting their ass and they're making plays. Both of them are. Offensive line, to me, is the area where, I'm not saying there's not improvement because there is year over year, but it is far lacking where I thought they'd be at this point in the season. Well, I want to talk about defense real quick because we got to move on here. Uh, Nebraska, they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, or the defense, they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, it was 501 yards total yards offense to Penn State. But held them just to 23 points, so that's pretty good. Derek, what would you what did you think about this defense? All right, so I, I just wanted to go over some of those 501 yards. Uh, Nebraska actually gave up 360 yards on 88 plays for an average of 4.1 yards per play. And that would rank second nationally right now for yards per play. The problem is we had three plays where we gave up 74 74 yards on a pass that DiCaprio Boodle was completely blown. He did make a great come-from-behind tackle that stopped him at the one. It didn't end up mattering because they got a touchdown, I think, next play. Uh, but there was a uh, 
Uh, Garrett Nelson missed a sack that he should have had on that play, but he took a bad angle and got juked out of his shoes. Uh, we had a 36-yard fourth and one play, which I I liked the play call. Execution, again, was a problem. So, but somebody missed a gap, and he got free. Uh, and then there was a 31-yard touchdown run that – uh, Nick Henrick was out. Of, I, again, freshman guy. And I, he was out of position. And then Luke Reimer just got blocked out of the play, left a hole wide open, and there was nobody to stop him. Uh, you take those three plays out, though, we played a phenomenal defensive game. But isn't that football, though? I mean, football is a game oh, of big, oh, sure, sure, of big sure, plays. Sure, That's absolutely. what is the sure. difference between all these games. It's b- the big plays that establish. Well, when you're ta- and any time that you take out the big plays of a football game, of course it's going to look like average. Sure, 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 sure. Absolutely. But we're talking about 91 plays. They were good on 88 of them. That tells me they're turning the corner. That tells me that defense is improving by a lot. Is any other any other time like any other time last year or the year before that any team would have ran 70, 80 plays on us? They probably score forty points or more on us. Well, I, I will buy that this defense is getting better. I think it was evident Saturday, and we've got to get to the red zone. So make sure we hit that, Justin. But but I will buy this defense is getting better. But I think that. Later in the game, Penn State was able to run the ball at will against us. And and, and and the number of play counts definitely factored into that. But one thing that I thought we had in this defense that play counts wouldn't matter is depth. And that's something that you look at inside backer. You know, you thought, okay, Luke Reimer after the Northwestern game, he's good. Now you got Will Hone is back. Outside backer. I've been very impressed with Payne. You've got the names. you got the defensive line rotation, which looks really strong. So... The, the number of plays, to me, shouldn't have worn down the defense as much as it did. And and that makes me believe it was a failure to execute as the game went on. And and Luke Reimer had a great game against Northwestern. I mean, God, he, he was a ghost on Saturday. I don't think he played a very good game. Didn't see him. Will Honus, questionable how well he played. Colin Miller, I think, was the best of the inside backers. Well, uh, Honus was all over the field. Dude had 12 tackles. Like, what more do you want from him? I want him to fill the gaps and not tackle people six yards after the line of scrimmage. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that's what I want is him to hit someone and make them get a one-yard gain instead of a five-yard gain. I don't know how much uh, Luke Reimer played because I didn't see him out there a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it. He didn't have the same game. I don't, I don't know how many snaps he had. But I am going to say this about the defense. I don't think Nebraska would have won this game without the defense. That scoop and score by uh, Williams was huge. That, how good has he been? Oh, how good has he been this season? I, I don't know. Has he's he? He's been inconsistent to me. He, I think this was, a, this was an outstanding game for him. Matter of fact, I'm going to put the whole secondary as a whole. This was an outstanding game for yes. the whole secondary. Yeah. However, this is the first game that I think the secondary showed up. Yeah. I mean, truly showed up. This is what I expected out of our secondary from the beginning I mean, of this year. Northwestern, I think and, they played fine against I mean, Northwestern, what they threw against for a team that can't pass. I, I, mean, I know. So really you're saying Ohio State tore us to shreds and Northwestern did it. But but guys, what how let, let's go to that secondary. Let's go to those two red zone possessions. Like what our secondary did there is almost impossible. 
Like, yeah. you're playing some of the best wide receivers in the country, and they have eight chances to throw it in the end zone. And it's not like the passes were terrible. It's not like like there's these fluke things that happened to him. This was all insanely tight coverage. Even the sacks we got weren't because of great blitzes or us getting great pressure. They were covered sacks. Like, our secondary locked down one of the best wide receiver groups, Dotson. No, nothing. What a great game from this secondary. Cam Taylor, Brett, he he did a good job of shutting him down. And he also made another impact play that I think affected this game. Outside of the scoop and score, I think Cam Taylor-Britt's interception there where he ran it back 55 yards or whatever it was, I thought that was another huge play. I mean, that, well, yeah, that, that set the tone for the whole first half. Yeah. I mean, those, those two plays right there, uh, the scoop and score, the big interception, uh, the shutdown at the end of the fourth quarter. Otherwise, guys, you know, I mean, I was kind of bragging on uh, Luke McCaffrey and the offense in the first half a little bit, but without those plays by uh, Cam Taylor, Britt, and Deontay Williams, I don't know if we win this game. Probably Absolutely. not. I mean, yeah, I mean, very possibly. Not. I mean, there's so many ifs and what's, but, sure. um, but the bottom line, guys, is we won a game against Penn State, and we were talking about this before. What does that mean? Penn State, obviously, they're 0-4. If you would tell me right now, we would have beat Penn State going into the season. I, I consider that a big step, uh, a step um, in the right direction. And I, I cannot express how excited I am because that victory puts a lot in front of this team right now. Derek? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, here's the thing. So I, I looked it up, and this is the most athletic team that we have beat in Scott Frost era, and maybe probably under even Mike Riley era. Uh, they had 12 four-stars and two three-stars at any given time on the field on offense. Uh, now, I mean, obviously, they didn't have that many on the field, but they rotated, and, but they always had mostly four-stars on the field. On defense, they had four, uh, 10 four-stars, a five-star, and two three-stars that were, again, getting a lot of playing time. So, my God, guys, I guess this is by far the most talented team that we've beat. And I, I think it's a huge stepping stone. I don't think it's just a small stepping stone. I think it's a huge stepping stone. I think it's starting to prove that we could at least play with the big boys a little bit. Now, I know that Penn State's struggling a little bit. They're 0-4. But I'll tell you, any any, any other time we give up this many yards on, on with, with this type of talented team, if I if I look at this, the, the – uh, Stats in this game, I don't see the score. I would have thought Penn State beat us by three touchdowns easily. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's that's the way it is. If you look at the stats, there, there's no reason that we should have won this game. And, and I think it proves how much that defense really did when they had to do it. They kept like, them yes, out of the end gave, zone, they, and that's the big they thing. Gave them a, exactly. And, that, and that, again, like I said at the beginning, that's what you expect out of a Schneider defense. He's got, he's got a bend, don't break defense. Yeah, they're well, going to move the ball on you, but you got to stop them when it counts, and that's and, what they did. And, and, now, and, and the if headline, I have one complaint on the defense, it's still third downs. Like, let's get off the damn field. Well, I'll just say this in the, my last word on the uh, Penn State game. You know, a lot of headlines are being made about the way they ended the game, and rightfully so, but they did that the whole game, guys. I mean, look at how many field goal attempts we held them to in that game. That I mean, you look in the first half, they scored six points. 
those very easily could have been a touchdown or two. And then the second half is a whole different game. Um, yeah, they, they played well when they did too. I, again, the, the, me critiquing this game is tough because there's a lot to be desired, a lot to improve on. But Frost has alluded to this. The media has. It is a lot easier to critique this team after a victory than a loss. And we beat a team that going into the year, none of us thought we were going to beat. It, it really helps when Sean Clifford turned out to be a big piece of shit. I mean, there, we saw a change of command ceremony at their quarterback position also. I mean, Clifford, he was one of the guys that I thought he was going to be a top dude in the conference. And he got pulled. And that young dude, he's a big dude. He can run the ball. He's going to get better. So I think that's a guy that's to uh, keep an eye on down the road. Uh, just a small note on special teams. Uh, special teams was much improved this game, much improved. Uh, we actually got a decent return on a punt return, the only punt that we seemed to force them in. But we got 25 yards on with Cam Taylor-Britt, needs to be our returner. Uh, I know everybody likes to complain about the kickoffs, about not kicking it into the end zone, but uh, Nebraska's only given up 14.43 yards per kickoff, which is second in the Big Ten. The only team that's beating them right now is Minnesota. It's eighth nationally. Uh, coverage on on kickoffs has been phenomenal. And this is the hardest-hitting game I've seen Nebraska play in a lot of years, defensively and special teams-wise. Yeah, especially as far as special teams goes, we set the bar so low we can only go up from there. So let's let's keep that going. Let's talk about Illinois here. Let's bring on the guest. We now welcome in Big Kurt of the Eyes on Big podcast. Welcome, Kurt. Hey, guys. How's it going? Fantastic. Hey, thank you for joining us tonight to talk Illinois. Uh, first, tell our listeners about the Eyes on Big podcast and how they can listen. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the main um, platforms out there. Eyes on Big podcast is, is it's a podcast about the entire Big Ten. We cover all 14 Big Ten teams. So as a Nebraska fan, if you want to get kind of an insider's look at the upcoming competition, it's a good place to stop in and find out a little bit more about the other teams in the conference. Um, my co-host is Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt, and we've been doing it. This is our third season now. We're having a tremendous amount of fun, and you can find us on Twitter. We're at Eyes on Big, at Big Kurt, and at Jeffrey the Greek. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, Illinois, they're coming off of the 23-20 road win at Ruggers. Uh, so congratulations there. First win, you know, you're six point underdogs. How do you like yeah. that? Well, you know, it, it felt pretty good. I'll be honest. It's been a disappointing season up to this point. So it was finally to finally good to get one in the W column. Yeah, we know how that feels. <laughs> so this week in the matchup, Nebraska, they're five, 15 and a half point favorites over Illinois. Do you think that's a fair line? Well, to be honest with you, when I saw that line, my first reaction was it was too big, but then I've seen it grow even bigger since then. So I guess Vegas probably put it in the right spot. Yeah. I mean, I guess my my feeling is I think Illinois keeps it within 15 and a half. That's where I would put my money. But um, I guess let's wait till the end to, to do predictions. But yeah, I, I, I felt like it was a little bit too big personally. Yeah, it opened up at 14 and a half, I believe, right? I thought it opened at 14. Yeah, 14 and a half. That's right. And it's up to 15 and a half, you said? Yeah. I, yeah, I would have I, I would have thought eight and a half. That's what I was expecting to see. And so yep. I, I was immediately like, 
wait, did COVID get worse at Illinois? Like what has happening right. right now? Because yeah, that, that line, I mean, I think it was a discredit to what Illinois has done and what I expect this game to look like. And there are some injuries, but I think the, the big thing is Brandon Peters, the starting quarterback is finally back. You know, he hasn't been playing. So I would have thought they'd err towards a smaller line getting the, you know, QB one back, but I guess not. Yeah, that that line is strange to me also because I didn't think it would be that high either. You know, especially with uh, Illinois being well, I bet Ruggers. Sorry, I bet Ruggers. They were six. I, you know, I, I did two points. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, let's okay. So if you not to call you a hater or anything, but Lovey Smith, you know, let's talk about the hot seat. This is one of those weird years in COVID uh, where we had talked about on this podcast where we really didn't think that any coach would be fired after this year. But we saw at Utah State, Gary Anderson, he got fired. And then, yeah. you know, Will Muschamp at South Carolina, now he got fired. Uh, so what's up with Lovey Smith? I mean, where do you see this one going? Is he on the hot seat? Yeah, so first of all, I, the, the Will Muschamp one, that was a big one, I think, because that means that any Power 5 coach is really potentially on the chopping block. So you know, they, that first domino has fallen. So we'll see if that continues. Is Lovey on the hot seat? He's absolutely on the hot seat. There's no question. Lovey, at the beginning of the year, was not shy about telling everybody that this is the team he's fielded yet. Um, and there was a lot of, Illini, I, I had a little bit tempered expectations personally, but there was a lot of Illini with really high hopes this year that uh, maybe Illinois could be this year's, you know, not necessarily Minnesota, but kind of a breakout surprise team. And that clearly has not happened. You add on top of that, the fact that his 2020 recruiting class was really, really bad. His 21 class is looking really bad. We just had a decommit yesterday. Um, he's recruiting, you know, um, year in and year out, right in that 13, 14 slot out of 14 teams. So not only has he not been getting it done, on the field, but you look at the future and there's not a whole lot of hope there either. So, I mean, he really, last year there were four and five in the big 10. So that was kind of a lineup for a lineup fans. That was kind of the benchmark. They had to at least meet that or do better. And it's not looking that way. So is he on the hot seat? Yes. However, the Illinois athletic department is in the worst financial position of, of any big 10 team. I, sure it's shocking to hear that from the state of Illinois, but, uh, but <laughs> right. that is the case. So that's going to play into it. But I, I think there's enough backlash from, from the uh, fan base right now that if the team continues in this direction for the rest of the season, that he'll probably get fired. I think he needs to at least win two more games, maybe three probably to keep his job. Well, Kurt, I got to tell you last year, that when Illinois, when they upset Wisconsin, that was, that was a huge thing. Not only uh, was that, you know, big in college football, it ruined my like 10 team money line parlay, you know, oh. I mean, <laughs> cause it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I know Derek had uh, Wisconsin in his money line parlay. Also, it was like 26 points, 26 point favorites or something. Uh, I, was, uh, I was, let me, let me think. No, I think it was more than that. Wasn't it the 30 or 31? It may have been, it may I have been, it was. it was huge. It was like, a, you can't miss this. You can't miss it. So, I don't like to brag. Wait, yes, I do. I actually called that victory before the last season. Is that right? 
I did, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that as to why I called that victory, because it's going to come into play with the Huskers here. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to turn right. it over to Tyler here. Oh, ho- hold sorry, on, Tyler, hold on. Go ahead. I, I want to get into Lovey Smith, because I, I really sure. hate to see him get fired. I've always liked Lovey Smith. I liked him with the Bears. Uh, I think it got jobbed a little bit there at Tampa liked him Bay. With the beard. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, and that was that was my other thing was we all know he screwed up when he shaved it off. Like the beard well, thing. So like that, it was his lucky beard and he shaved it off and now we're you're just I, I mean, I liked the beard, but I kinda liked seeing it come off because I always thought maybe it was like a you know, a slump buster for his poor recruiting. Maybe it was gonna turn around <laughs> with it when he shaved off the beard, but that hasn't been the case. It's really crazy though, because his first year or two there, he really got some good recruits in for Illinois. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he for, did. For what you expected out of Illinois, at least. Yeah. So people don't people, you know, outside of Champaign don't realize he didn't have a first recruiting class. He came in late, didn't get a first recruiting class. But then in his second year for his first class, that was a really underrated class. Unfortunately, we probably lost the four best players from that class um, for various reasons. But then he really went went. So that was the 17 class. The 18 class took a big step down. But then 19 looked really good. And that's when he got all those transfers to come in. But then it's just fallen off since then. So so moving to offense here and let's talk about this game. So let's talk about the quarterback position. So um, you started the year, Brandon Peters, uh, former transfer from Michigan, a quarterback that I'm guessing Michigan would love to have back right now because. Holy crap, is that a dumpster fire? Um, you you start the year with him, he gets COVID. Then you go to Karan Taylor. Um, he starts the next two games, uh, doesn't really produce. And then all of a sudden, Isaiah Williams comes out. Husker fans, I don't know where this guy comes from. Sets the all-time Illinois quarterback rushing record. Breaks Juice Williams' record. What can Nebraska, what has led to the quarterback battle this year and what can Nebraska expect to see on Saturday? Okay. So a couple things there. Uh, he actually broke AJ Bush's record from 2018. Yeah. Oh, okay. And That's I right. think that was against, it might've been against Minnesota. I'm not sure, but um, uh, you'd mentioned, Oh yeah. Karan Taylor. Let's talk about him a little bit because yes, Brandon Peters played in the first game played terrible, got COVID. So he sat out. But the the backup, Isaiah Williams, is actually the second string quarterback. He had to sit up because of contact tracing. So the third stringer, actually, Matt Robinson, started game two, but he got injured on the second drive. So Karan Taylor is the four string quarterback who played essentially okay. in the entire game two and game three. Um, so Karan, you know, he, he didn't show a whole lot of poise in the pocket there. Well, last week we get Isaiah Williams back. So he was he's the guy that would have been playing or should have been playing if not for contact tracing anyway, which, by the way, is not a big 10 role. That was just something Illinois did because that's what we do to ourselves. Um, so <laughs> who, I, I guess the big question is who's going to play this week after Isaiah had that phenomenal game, at least on the ground. And my feeling is it's going to be Brandon Peters. Brandon Peters won the job easily in the preseason. He's He's the senior. He's your prototype, you know, six four, uh, strong-armed pocket quarterback, and he's got deceptive speed too. Uh, look for him to pull the ball a couple times and get big gains against the Huskers because people tend to fall asleep on him and think he's never going to pull the ball, but then he does, and he's actually a much better athlete than people give him credit for. Lovey Smith was actually asked today 
who's going to be your quarterback. Of course, the, the person that asked him, Robert Rosenthal, he runs a lineboard.com, knew he wasn't going to get an answer, but he got a pretty uh, terse answer, I guess, a pretty annoyed Lovey Smith. But yeah, to me, I think there's just no question. I think you go with uh, Brandon Peters to start, but I wouldn't mind seeing him sprinkle in Isaiah Williams here and there. Yeah. So so when you look at Illinois on the offensive side of the ball, what, what I think of Illinois this season, I think of them running the ball. They're 27th in the country in rushing. Um, they've been able to move the ball pretty well on the ground throughout the year. Obviously, the Rutgers game really helped their stats. But so you're looking at a Nebraska defense against the run who hasn't been overly dominant. Um, no. we, we, we gave up some yard. Yeah, that's an understatement. Ohio State ran the ball okay. Obviously, um, Justin Fields had a field day against us. Penn State had their best rushing game of the season against us. Northwestern was okay. So you're going into Lincoln. Is that where Northwestern is going to see uh, – I'm sorry. Is that where Illinois is going to see success on Saturday is running the ball in the Huskers? Yeah, I mean, I think they will have some success running the ball, and that's certainly going to be their game plan. It's always their game plan, like you said, under Rod Smith, the offensive coordinator. He's a He's a run-first kind of guy. And we've got a, a couple solid running backs. The names to look for are Mike Epstein and Chase Brown. Chase Brown had a great game against Rutgers. He, he really showed out. He's a transfer from Western Michigan. His twin brother actually plays safety. He's a starting strong safety. And he has showed a lot of burst and some speed and some power. So, yeah, they're going to try to establish the run. And Brandon Peters has never been a prolific you know, stats throwing for 300 yards type of guy. So you'll see a lot of running, a lot of zone running attack from the Illini. I, hold, hold on, Tyler. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, I want to talk about that Chase Brown a little bit more. Sure. I, I watched him against Rutgers. This guy looks like a damn linebacker, if not a defensive end, run the ball. This is a big dude. I, 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 this guy scares me. I think this is guy is going to be a guy that's going to be very tough to get down. Yeah, um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know what his measurables are. He's probably around 200 pounds. But what I was really surprised at, I just kind of figured, you know, his brother's a good athlete, but he's not a plus athlete. I kind of expected him to be like his brother, but he's got he's got some serious burst to him. That's, he has, that he surprised has very me. deceptive speed. Uh, yes, he does. Because he's a very big back. and you, you don't expect him to be as quick as he is, but man. The way he looked against Rutgers, he he scares me a little bit. I, I think I think like, he's gonna have a big game. Yeah. So Mike Epstein is a four-year guy, and he's he's had a ton of trouble with injuries. And I really expected Mike to be the better of the two running backs. But after Rutgers, I think you might see Chase Brown taking over the the lion's share of the carries. I, I agree. He's got. You, you have to assume he's uh, uh, definitely built well enough to handle the carries. Yeah, he, he can handle the carries. He's pretty sturdy. Um, one thing to look out for is the right tackle, who is probably one of the better run blockers for the Illini, got injured early in that Rutgers game. And so uh, backup, very inexperienced second-year guy, Julian Pearl, should be starting at right tackle. Who was that, the right tackle? Was that Alex? Uh, Alex Pelcheski, pa- pa- yeah. Yep, yeah, obviously, so he, one of the better yeah. offensive linemen in the Big Ten. I mean, he, he was a very probably the best offensive lineman for Illinois, you know, better than I, but probably one of the among the leaders in the big 10 at that position. Yeah. So I would say our best offensive lineman is probably Kendrick green left guard, but I would say Palcho was number two and it looks like a serious knee injury. So I probably, I'm guessing he's probably not back this year. 
So, so, so I, I will say this about the it, it, it. Nebraska statistically has not been good against the run. I mean, I think this is a trend that we've seen over the last few years. What I will say in the positive side, and this is what gives me faith against Illinois, is we held uh, uh, Ohio State's running backs to their worst rushing performance of the year. Um, Northwestern, we did really well. Penn State started running the ball against us late, but that was after a 92-play game. Illinois is not known for time possession. They're, in fact, the only team worse than Nebraska in time of possession in the Big Ten. So I don't think Illinois—correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they're going to—they're not going to go four or five yards of carry and wear us down. So I I, I think our run defense—we're not going to shut you down. We're not going to shut you down. But we have an opportunity, I think, to exceed what the stats would make you to believe. Am I crazy to think that? I mean, no, I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, Illinois has run the ball fairly well, but like you had mentioned, that's really skewed by the Rutgers game and by Isaiah Williams actually carried the ball 31 times, I think, in that game. I mean, that's that's a tremendous amount of carries. He only threw the ball 18 times. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna run the ball. I don't expect them to to wear down the, the Huskers. I don't expect them to run for 300 yards again. Not at all. I think they're going to have to be pretty balanced to, to, to say score 30 points and win this game. Kurt, I got to ask you, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier and uh, we've been talking about this all throughout the off season and into this season, the strength of the Nebraska defense to us is the secondary, the secondary. They had a great performance against Penn state last week. Is there anybody on Illinois in the re- receiving core tight end? that can really challenge the secondary uh, in the passing game? Yeah, good question. There definitely, there definitely is some talent there. The one to look out for is Josh Imaterbebe, number nine. Yeah. He's a big physical receiver. So um, if, you, if there's any smaller DBs out there, he, he, can, he really uses his body well and gets in between the defender to get the ball. Um, he's got an absolutely insane vertical leap. It's legendary. You can look up YouTube's uh, YouTube videos and, and see that his brother, Daniel is tight end. He's very talented. They actually have a, a, a sneaky talented tight end room that they seem hell bent on not using in the passing game. So, um, uh, let's see who else at the wide receiver position. Brian Hightower is a former four-star guy. Um, so is a matter baby, by the way, but Brian Hightower actually started at Miami, Florida and transferred. So there's a couple names to look out for. And they've been trying to use uh, some of their smaller guys. Kyron Cumby, number 20 is a little guy that they've been trying to get some more touches super fast. He might be the fastest guy in the team. Um, and then Casey Washington's only a sophomore and he's, uh, he was a really low ranked recruit, but he is, he showed up essentially looking like a big 10 wide receiver. So those are the names to look out for. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, you know, uh, low rank recruit coming in because Nebraska, we love to fill our receiving core with uh, walk-ons apparently. So <laughs> that's something to keep on, keep an well, eye is, on. Uh, let's see. Is Kate, who's, is, Kate Kate, is he leading the team on in receptions or yards or anything? Uh, right Wando now? Robinson is, but okay. uh, he's, he's I, mostly, he's the highest Kate, target. I mean, they're always sure. targeting him. Cade Warner might be the highest target. He just can't catch a ball. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and oh, he did have he, that bad drop, didn't he? I forgot about he, that. He's, he's had two of them in the end zone. Okay. Yeah. 
and the son of Kurt Warner. And one thing about uh, Cade Warner, give him kudos, is uh, he got a little bit of slack for that drop Saturday. And you know what? He retweeted it. He retweeted that. the slack, and he leaned into the you need to catch the damn ball in the end zone. So, so that was I, the, I expect him not to do that again. That was the tweet from the Husk guys. Husk yes, guys, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's one of my famous trolls. <laughs> oh, they're, they're good ones to troll. Troll them all day. Um, no, no, they wait. troll me. <laughs> oh, they do? Oh, okay. Uh, got, gotcha, they're gotcha. they're going to troll on everybody, I yeah, think. It, yeah. It, I was just, that's what I was telling you, troll. But, you know, it, I just think about it from their perspective. When Kurt Warner leans into it now and says, hey, look at my son acknowledge this hate, like, I would feel like such an asshole. Like, sure. as a Nebraska fan, like, critiquing and then their dad sees that like that's you know we, we've had unfortunately family members over time call us out but you never want a family member to see or hear what you're saying about the team you love and be like go easy on my boy i gotta say husk guys kind of took it well he said yeah okay maybe i shouldn't have tweeted that but he shouldn't have dropped the ball <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right uh are we ready to move on to defense, Derek? All right. All right. So, first off, I'm gonna start with uh, you guys had a linebacker who was injured last week, and I, I'm I'm forgetting his so that's name. Milo Eifer, number five. Yeah. Is is yeah. he healthy, or can we expect him I, back? Or? I don't think I don't I I wouldn't expect him back, but more more so that uh, I think probably the way that the linebackers the the, the 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 three they have out there right now in the positions they're at, they're probably playing better at linebacker than he was there. So okay. even if he's healthy, I would say you probably got a starting lineup of Tolson on the strong side, uh, Tariq Barnes at the mic, and then the will will be uh, uh, Hanson. Okay. Uh, so let's get into some stats here. I love stats. Everything. Uh, Illinois is averaging two sacks per game, which is uh, exactly the same as what Nebraska is averaging right now. Yeah. Uh Owen Corney Carney. I'm sorry. Carney, yep. Yep. Uh he's got he's got three of your eight sacks. But here here's the kicker. Four of your eight sacks have come against Purdue. Uh you did okay against uh, Wisconsin. I believe you got two against Wisconsin. Yep. Uh then then Minnesota, you got one and you got one against Rutgers. Uh so what what, what what's more telling here? Is it can we expect more pressure like you did against Purdue or so, yeah, it's a good question. So the, uh, yeah, obviously the reason they had more against Purdue is because Purdue just loves to throw the ball. So they're, they're dropping back to pass all the time. Illinois does not have a true pass rusher on their team, at least not a veteran one. Owen Carney, he's, he's fine. He's serviceable. Uh, on the other side, Isaiah Gay is always in the doghouse. He, he can rush the passer, but I'm not sure he even played against Rutgers more than a couple series. They they started going with a lot of youth in the Rutgers game, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think I think the the Huskers should be able to protect whoever's playing the quarterback pretty well. I mean, Lovey will dial up some blitzes here and there to try to get some pressure. That's really that's really their best hope to get pressure on the quarterback is is blitzing, which of course exposes you to to big plays. So. Yeah, I don't expect to see the Illini in the backfield that that much. I, I, I would say if I'm Illinois, I'm not blitzing Nebraska. I, I think Luke McCaffrey is the quarterback you will see back there. I would be sh- 
almost shocked at this point if Adrian Martinez takes snaps, even though I might do that if I'm Scott Frost. I don't know if Illinois, I don't know if there's many teams in the Big Ten. Um, certainly no disrespect to Illinois, but that I don't think there's anyone in Illinois that's catching Luke McCaffrey. Like if, if you but if I if I'm Illinois, I'm forcing Luke to beat you throwing the ball precisely. And blitzing him just is gonna open up those lanes. Well, I tell you, if there's any team that uh that a quarterback can beat, it's uh it's Illinois because they've been absolutely atrocious against the pass this year. Hey Kurt, can I take a uh, I want to take a side, I want to step back a little bit here. Since you and Jeffrey the Greek, you guys cover the Big Ten as a whole. Did Nebraska make the right decision by starting Luke McCaffrey over Adrian Martinez? I don't think it was a bad decision. I think they needed some kind of spark, and I think that's what Scott Frost was trying to do. Um, I personally felt like that he looked very much like Adrian Martinez, except maybe a little bit better of a runner than Martinez is, maybe a little just a little faster getting upfield than Martinez. Um, other than that, I think Scott Frost probably knows that they're they're pretty even. He was probably just looking for a spark. So I, I don't, I certainly don't fault him for for doing that. Okay. And they want. So I, I, so. I, t- I tend to agree with you 100. percent I don't think Nebraska's offensive struggles are on the quarterback. I think I think we have issues at other areas that are hurting us more than quarterback. But the quarterback always takes the blame. So that's what it is. What it is. So, so Justin, I'm going to translate that. Adrian wasn't dog shit and you need to lay off a little bit <laughs> oh we got an adrian hater here okay oh yeah that, now I, yeah. I know where that came from now i guess so i guess so. i you know i was uh, i've been looking forward to seeing uh luke mccaffrey since last year i'm not gonna lie i've been uh consistent about that since last year and i'm getting my way of course luke mccaffrey he did not look you know lights out against penn state but i to me he didn't look any worse than adrian martinez this is his first game. I think the ceiling's higher. He's only yeah. going to get better. So that's fair. I'm, that's a good point. It, it's his first game. He's probably never really gotten first team reps. So maybe, uh, maybe he is the guy of the future. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry to hijack that, but all right. So, so, so let's get back to the defense here. Uh, you, you talked about how bad the, the, the past defense has been, uh, but the run defense has kind of struggled a little bit too. Not, I mean, you get 325 yards and five touchdowns to Minnesota. Uh, you've given up. You, I mean, you, you shut down Purdue a little bit with 85 yards, but they're like the 124th team in the country running the ball. Uh, they only average 63 yards a, a game. You shut down Rutgers to 166 yards, but they're 94th uh, at only 133 yards a game. Uh, the, the most impressive, I will say, was against Wisconsin. You guys kind of shut Wisconsin's run game down for what you expect out of Wisconsin offense. Uh, but other than, that, other than that one game, you've kind of struggled stopping the run. Uh, again, what, what, what's the game plan here? To, I mean, because Scott Frost wants to run the ball. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said there. There's been a number of injuries, too. So, basically, um, they're, they've got their, their two regular starters on the strong side of the defensive line, but on the weak side, they're just cycling in a lot of youth, a lot of guys that probably aren't physically ready to play. So if I'm Scott Frost, that first of all, that's what I attack. But second of all, I referenced the Wisconsin game and how I predicted the Illini victory over Wisconsin because a couple of things I felt like a lot of teams were overlooking them last year. But also a Lovey Smith coached defense does better against a team that runs right at you with without a whole lot of misdirection. 
that doesn't have a running quarterback that doesn't do the read option very often. And that's where I think the Illini do not match up well with the Huskers. If they really take advantage of Luke McCaffrey's legs, they can really kill Illinois. Uh, Lovey Smith has not shown the ability at, at uh, Illinois to be able to, to stop a dual threat quarterback. So if you look at the game last year, for instance, it was actually a pretty close game, but if you look at it statistically, it was not a close game at all. And I feel like the game a couple of years ago was about the same way. So if I'm Scott Frost, I am really leaning on the quarterback to get a lot of yards with his legs. Which he has done this year. Uh, just, he has. Just, just another stat. I mean, like, and, and I guess this kind of proves maybe your point here a little bit, but uh, you guys really, really did do well against Wisconsin, only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, Purdue only averaged 2.7 yards per carry, but then you got to Minnesota and Rutgers and Minnesota averaged almost seven yards a carry and Rutgers averaged a little over five yards a carry. So I, I guess my thing is you talked about injuries, is it injuries that's bringing this up or was it game plan or what's going on that you guys have considerably gotten worse on defense? Yeah, great question because I don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming injuries for their lack of ability to stop other teams. It's not injuries. I mean, it's coaching. They've just been poorly coached. That Minnesota game, the linebackers, I don't even know what they were doing. I mean, they were taking, they were, they were lining up two to three yard depth instead of five yards and just getting completely washed out of the play. Um, Defensive back coaching has been really, really bad this year. I was really high on these defensive backs. I think individually, there's a lot of skill there. They do not play well as a unit. I think overall the defense doesn't play well as a unit. So I, I place the blame on the coaching staff. Kurt, do you want to see a regime change out of Illinois? Is it is it that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, one last defensive question for you here, and I I want to get back to that passing game, which I don't think you're going to see a lot of out of Nebraska this week, as you didn't see. I, mean, I haven't seen a lot all year, but. Illinois has four interceptions, right, on the year. Four games, four interceptions. Most people would tend to look back at it and go, that's not so bad. That's, I mean, it's a pretty good turnover rate. The problem is three of them came against Rutgers, and unfortunately they all were basically on Noah Vedral thrown into coverage that he should never have been throwing the ball to. Uh, so you guys took advantage of a mistake-prone Noah Vedral. However, you haven't done a lot in the secondary. Is there a spot where Nebraska can take advantage there? Well, the safety play has been atrocious. And playing mostly cover two. So, you know, just finding the soft spots in that cover two and just keep hammering them. Luke hasn't done that this year. Just, Just like that was something that Penn State, there was some... Tampa two, a little bit of gaps in there, and he has not attacked the middle of the field. That was not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your corners were dog shit. I wanted to hear that, no, and, and no, I actually, didn't hear that. The corners are solid, um, but but again, I just feel like there's times when I just wonder what the heck they're doing out there. Um, it's really it's more the safeties than the corners for sure. Um, and back to the the Rutgers game, not only was were three of those interceptions in the Rutgers game against Noah, all three were in the second half. Yeah. And it, to me, that just that was a quarterback having a horrible, you know, number handful of series right there. He, he made some bad decisions. He had all day to throw the ball. 
Yeah. And he he threw into coverage and it was like, what are you doing? Even the announcers made a, made the comment a couple of times like, Noah Vedral, what are you doing? You can't throw into coverage like that when you have all day to throw. Are you guys suggesting that Scott Frost quarterbacks have terrible second halves regardless of where they end up? <laughs> Is that what's going on here? I'll, I'll, I'll say this statistically. Uh, Tyler, you talked about how Nebraska's offense has struggled against uh, to throw the ball. But I'll also say this. We, we have faced probably three of the top five defenses in the, I mean, in the Big Ten so far. Yeah. And, 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 right, and right now, I'm not convinced that uh, Illinois is quite up there yet. Uh, they're certainly not. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and get into the round of score predictions here. We'll each give a score prediction here. But first, Kurt, how do you see this game playing out? And what is your score prediction? Let's see. How do I see this game playing out? I think it's going to be a fairly close game. But I, I guess I see it playing out uh, that Nebraska kind of runs away with it in the second half. I think it, the Illini hang around for a little while, but just don't have enough firepower. I I think they're going to give up a lot of points. And, I, it, you know, the Illini just don't have expl- an explosive enough offense to outscore somebody. So the way I see it is um, Nebraska kind of running away at the end. And I'm I'm going with the 33 to 20 score as the final in the in favor of the Huskers, your your beloved Huskers. Yeah. That's it. Oh, it that's very interesting. Very interesting about the second half running away. But uh, first, Derek, what is your score prediction? All right. Uh, so, something's got to give in this game. Uh, there There's some red zone stats I'd like to read off to you guys here. Uh, Illinois' red zone is uh, 123rd in the country. Uh, Nebraska stops the red zone touchdowns very well, apparently, because we're ranked 30th in the country right now, and a lot of that has to do with the Penn State game. Uh, but 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 we have done very well stopping touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Illinois is really bad, really really bad at stopping uh, touchdowns in the red zone, and Nebraska has really struggled to score in the red zone. So again, I say something's got to give here because one of these two teams' stats is going to improve in this situation. Uh, I, again, I'm going to go back to the fact that I think Nebraska's played three really tough defenses. I'm afraid that Illinois does not have that tough of a defense, and I think we will get in the red zone and be able to score on them. Uh, I do think our defense is going to struggle to stop uh, Chase Brown. He is a He, he looked like a beast. I mean, uh, so we're going to go some yards, but I think we'll, I think we'll continue to stop you guys in the red zone. I think it's going to come down to Nebraska 35, Illinois 17. Wow. All right, Tyler. So, question. In 2019, what was the highest scoring combined game of the Illinois schedule? Does anybody know? I mean, it was probably that Nebraska game, right? Okay. In 2018, what was the highest scoring game of the Illinois schedule? It it also might have been the Nebraska game. It was the Nebraska game. Okay. And vice versa, the exact same on the Husker game. This, since Scott Frost has been there, has been the most points either team has given up. I believe that trend will continue to an aspect. I think they're going to see a lot more points scored this Saturday than uh, probably either team really wants to see. Um, I don't think it'll be as high a score as 
previous two years because I think ultimately Nebraska will not be able to find the end zone at the same clip they find in previous years. But I do like the Huskers winning this game 37-24. and 37-24. Tyler, that's uh, some very interesting information you put out there. Um, I don't know what the over is on this game. I didn't it's look. not that high. It, I, I want to say it was like 61. but I, 61? Yeah, I, I think that might be a bet that people might want to look at. 61. Okay. Well, you know, I, I kind of like The last that. two years, overs hit. The last two years, overs hit. And I think I looked it up. It was by two touchdowns each. So do it oh, that I might have it. I might have a new best bet for tonight. Hey, Kurt, when you looked at the uh, matchup, were you amazed how close the stats matched up between these two teams? In in what sense? Like which like overall rushing, overall passing, where they where they fall in the in the country in those stats or just what? Top to bottom, everything. I mean, it was just uh, very few categories were very far off. I mean, they were just equally matched within. Uh, uh, FBS, right? Well, I guess to that, I would say that Nebraska has played Penn State and Ohio State, and Illinois has not. Okay, okay. Well, agreed. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, be that as it may, I don't see this, even though that they played there. I mean, I don't see it as like a, a huge blowout. Maybe it is with score that I'm predicting, but I think it's going to be a game where Nebraska is going to jump out to a good lead. And then in the second half, I think they're going to falter. And I think Illinois, they're going to make a comeback. But I I see it 38-27 in in this game. I mean, point spread 15 and a half. Nebraska is not going to cover that by no means. I, I just don't see it. It may look that way in the first half, but no. If it turns out to be a 38-27 game, I think that'd be pretty entertaining, and I'd probably take it. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, that's that's got the uh, that's got the over written all over it, right, Tyler? I, I think so. I should have looked it up, but I will say this, and 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 my last word on Illinois is, you know, I I thought going into the year this was going to be a lot better Illinois team, and unfortunately, the fact that they didn't get any non-conference games probably is going to make that record yeah. look pretty poor. Um, Say what you will about Lovey Smith, but Illinois showed up against Purdue. They didn't have to. And we've seen teams in the Big Ten not play football. Yeah. And, you know, not not throwing shade at Wisconsin, but completely throwing shade at Wisconsin. When they were out their quarterback, they didn't play. And Illinois showed up. I, I you know, I don't want them to show up Saturday, but man, I wouldn't mind you guys getting an upset or two to end the year. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up the fact that Illinois does, did still play because I've been getting that really from from everyone in the Big Ten. Everybody's been saying that. And, you know, as an Illini fan, we're typically just ignored by the rest of the conference and by the nation. So it's it's good to hear that. And I appreciate you saying that because I give them credit for that, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice to see them, you know, wanting to play football, unlike an unnamed team that that you just named yeah wisconsin badger team yeah um no hey, i mean but i hey, I, you, I, tell, I tell you as much as i hated what wisconsin did i'm starting to feel that maryland was even a bigger chicken shit than wisconsin they were playing ohio state do you i don't care <laughs> i don't care where you're playing Come on. like you literally had like two cases you're like nope we're done at least wisconsin could say they had a lot of cases Hey, that was smart. 
very smart. Don't don't ruin it for him. Yeah, I, hey, I, Kurt, I was I got excited for that game because I wanted to see what that tag of Iloa could do against an Ohio State defense. And Kurt, so, you have go- in the back of your mind who you would want to see replace Lovey Smith at Illinois? Um, yeah, there's a couple. I I'm so first of all, it's like who who do you think would do a good job and who would take the job, right? right. So those are are you know there's sure I want Urban Meyer, but he's not going to take the job. Uh, the one that I've been thinking about, Alan DeBoer at Fresno State. He's not very seasoned, but he's won at every level. Level he did a great job as an offensive coordinator at Indiana. That's it's only his first year as a head coach on the FBS level, but he does have lower level experience. That's one that comes up. Um, the Miami of Ohio coach, um, his name's escaping me right now. He's been doing a really good job. Ohio and coach? Miami, Miami of Ohio. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. Uh, Chuck Martin is his name. Chuck yeah, Martin would be another one that I'm thinking about. Um, no, Chadwell. Justin, nobody's going after Frank Solich. Yeah, I know. That's what I heard. It's like <laughs> Frank Solich is like 76 yeah, years old. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to run the wishbone, damn it. Um, and then the, uh, the one that a lot of Illini fans are talking about is that uh, is it Jeremy Chadwell at uh, Coastal Carolina, but I, he's, oh. he's a pretty hot name now, so I'm not sure that that's really a gettable guy. But I, I guess I just want a guy, I don't want any fired guys. No, you know, no Ron Zooks. I, I don't want any Ron Zooks. Um, oh, give hire. me a guy that's successful, that is coming off a good run, not a bad run. And, you know, if it's an offensive team, he better damn well be bringing his offensive coordinator. Or if he's a def- it's a defensive team, they better damn well be bringing his defensive coordinator. Um, we hired, you know, Timmy Beckman from Toledo, who he did a pretty good job at Toledo, but they were known for having horrible defenses and great offenses. Well, do you know who their offensive coordinator was? Matt Campbell. He didn't bring Matt Campbell with him. And Tim Beckman was, he's a defensive guy. So he basically came without the strength of his team. So I want a guy lower level. I kind of want a guy that probably this is going to sound weird because I don't want PJ Fleck, but in a sense, I want a guy like PJ Fleck that has no self-awareness and doesn't realize he's in over his head, you know, like a guy, it's the job's probably going to be too big for him, but he doesn't even realize it or he doesn't care. Is it, is it fair to say it take Tim Beckman look like he was kind of heading in the right direction before the abuse allegations and got fired? I mean, I thought I didn't think it was that terrible. I got well, thought he was doing okay. I mean, if you look at his his win totals, two, four, six, he was going in the right direction, but it was it was all smoke and mirrors. There was it, it, he had no talent coming. He was bringing in JUCO guys just to patch up the the roster. It was it was not a good look. Hey, hey, be happy that you guys could get JUCO guys that could patch shit up because we get <laughs> JUCO guys that don't do shit. And the other thing is they. You know, they, he was basically, he wasn't having a very good year that last year when he ended up eventually going to a bowl game and they just miraculously beat Penn state in this rainstorm in Champaign. That was just this odd game that they should have never really won. And then they were at five wins and the last game Northwestern had nothing to play for and they beat Northwestern and it just, and they ended up in a bowl game. So, uh, you know, Tim Beckman, I'll just tell you a quick story about Tim Beckman. He got Two penalties in one game for chewing tobacco on the sideline. Really? I didn't know that was possible. He, so I, I didn't know it was possible either because you see coaches doing it all the time and the refs don't do a damn thing. So obviously the ref had it out for him. But once you get it once, 
just stopped chewing tobacco. No, well, you would he, think, absolutely. he kept doing it. He must be an ugly spitter. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, uh, before that, I don't think I even knew that you couldn't do that. I didn't. I didn't know that till you just told me that story. Yeah, no clue. So obviously there was a, a ref in that game that really didn't like him. He, I, he, Kurt, he must have done something wrong to that. Referee. Well, he he did something wrong every time he got in front of a microphone. If you ever <laughs> want to have a good time, watch some of his press conferences, man. Yeah. All yeah. right, Kurt. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, go ahead and throw out your Twitter handle and go ahead and plug uh, your uh, podcast again. Yeah. So once again, it's the Eyes on Big podcast. We cover all 14 Big Ten teams. I'm obviously an Illini fan. My broadcast partner is Jeffrey the Greek. He is an Iowa fan. He played football at Iowa. Um, my my Twitter handle is at B1GKURT, and his is at Jeffrey the Greek. And you can also find us at Eyes on Big, uh, all on Twitter. Yeah, hopefully we can get Jeffrey the Greek on for the Iowa preview. So I'm sure he'd love to come on and talk Iowa football. Um, here's here's another here's one thing I'm gonna leave with you guys. Me and Jeffrey the Greek actually went to the Minnesota Iowa football game on Friday in Minneapolis. I heard that. I heard that on your podcast. Yeah, yes, sir. That's awesome. So go ahead, go ahead, and reveal how you got those tickets. Well, I I, I can't reveal our source, but reveal you know, it. I'll just say the tickets are only for family and friends of players and coaches. So it came from one of those sources. That is awesome. Yeah. Great game. So, all right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we can uh, have you back on soon. Yeah. I'd be happy to come back anytime. And regardless of what happens on Saturday, let's all stay friends. All friends. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, All right, deal. Nebraska can't hate anybody. <laughs> well, I can All tell right. you, I 99% of my interaction with, with Husker fans on Twitter has been fantastic. So That's good to know. Good most, fan base. Most of our, it, it helps that we've been beaten up for so many years. <laughs> Understood. Right. Well, thanks again, guys. It's been fun. Thanks, Kurt. All right, thanks. All right, that was awesome, guys. Now it's time for our games of the week. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, so we're just going to move on. We'll recap next week. But the first game is number nine, Indiana, at number three, Ohio State. Ohio State's 20.5-point favorites. Tyler. Ohio State, best team in the country. All right. Derek? Not convinced they're the best team in the country, but they're better than Indiana, so Ohio State. OSU. That makes all three of us for OSU. I'm really looking forward to that game. That's going to be a fun one. Indiana always plays Ohio State tough. Number seven, Cincinnati, minus six at UCF. Tyler. Probably the toughest game of the weekend. Uh, Cincinnati, they're fighting for a college football playoff berth, but I think uh, UCF is going to give them a run for their money, but ultimately Cincinnati wins. Derek. Again, I disagree. They're not playing for a playoff spot because they're never going to give it to an AAC team. Uh, but Cincinnati is going to win this game. Oh, geez. You said disagree, and you, I th- thought you were going to say UCF. Liar. All right. Here's another top uh, 20 matchup, number 10. With Cincinnati, Scott. right, Justin? Of course. I, you know I'm a big Cincinnati fan this year. Keep I've on. been riding Cincinnati all year. All right, number 10, Wisconsin, minus 7.5 at number 19, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 7.5-point favorites. Tyler. I'm going Northwestern. Give me the upset. I think Northwestern wants it more. Really? Derek? 
I wanted to pick Northwestern, but since Tyler did, I'm not going to Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I got Wisconsin also. Uh, I just I, I want to see them challenged, and this is going to be the game that they're going to see a, a challenge. Finally play somebody worth a shit. All right, number 14, Oklahoma State at number Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's, shoot, I didn't write that down. 19, I guess. Uh, Oklahoma's seven-point favorites. Tyler. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Derek. I got I, I to go Oklahoma. You know, since uh, they benched that quarterback, he's played really good ball, so I don't think Oklahoma State can stop him. I've never liked Oklahoma State this year. I don't think they can score enough points. Uh, but I'm just going to give it to OU. Uh, Purdue minus three at Minnesota Friday night. Tyler, Minnesota, Minnesota. Jordan needs to watch her show right now. So Derek, Purdue. All right, I have Purdue also. All right, Tyler, we're gonna give you best bet so can so Jordan can watch. This is life. Uh, this is us, this is us, this is us, and uh, my best bet is Wake Forest against Duke, four and a half point spread. Uh, just look at the UNC game if you want to know why I picked this. Wake Forest gave UNC a run, Duke did not. I like Wake Forest to cover that. All right, Tyler, we'll let you drop off while we talk shit about you, so take it easy. All right, Derek, what is your best bet of the week? All right. Seems how I'm the only one I can seem to have games at play. Oh, yeah. Can, uh, can I bring that up now that I don't have to rush Tyler off right now? Sure. So last week, uh, Derek, you won your best bet. But me and Tyler, both our games got canceled. And probably not a bad thing for me. I haven't been faring too well. <laughs> Tyler hasn't been fair and great. I mean, I think he's uh, around 500, but, you know, he's not on plus money yet. But you know what? You've been winning money. So I won money with your Miami pick last year, last week. You know, they were getting points against Virginia Tech. So that was impressive. They won by one point, too. They did win by one point. And it was a little scary there for a while because they were down for most of that game. Yeah. That line Uh, was uh, two when you got it. It was down to Miami. Two and a half. I got it at two, two and a half. half. Okay. It was uh, Miami plus one and a half for me. And uh, I took it. And I'm, like, I'm glad I didn't wait any longer because they won by one. <laughs> Holy cow. But they didn't even need to win. They just needed to not lose. That's it. Basically. That's it. And, so, and uh, they yeah, did yeah, it. It is what it is. Uh, so this week, I, I went with what seems to me like another obvious one. I, I'm going with the over in the, in the uh, Purdue-Minnesota game. Uh, Minnesota has no defense whatsoever, and I think Purdue is going to score 40 points on them. Uh, but I, I'm not convinced a Bob Diaco defense could stop Minnesota to under 20. So I, to, to me, this is pretty easy. I got it at 62 and a half. Yeah. I'm taking the over on that all day long. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game. I think. I mean, I don't know what to think about that over or under there, right there. Actually, uh, I get what you're saying, uh, but Purdue. I mean, they kind of let me down last week. I, I thought Purdue was gonna have a better showing against I mean, Northwestern. They gave up 28 points to to Northwestern. Northwestern's not good at scoring. Yeah, well, there's that. So I can see where you're coming and, from, and we and we know Minnesota can't can't stop a defense, and this is probably the best offense that Purdue's faced so far. Sure. 
Yeah, that's gonna be in, uh, that's gonna be something to keep an eye on. So my best bet again, mine was uh, Coastal Carolina last week got canceled, but I'm gonna ride Coastal Carolina again this week. They're minus five and a half against Appalachian State. Appalachian State, they're one and six against the spread. I mean, sure, they're six and one on the year, but they're not covering games. I like what Coastal Carolina is doing. I mean, it seems like every week they come out with something else to prove. You know, it's just like, got to get a win. And Derek, I got to ask you, for the group of five teams this year, is this the best group of five teams that you've seen in college football? No, nah, I got to lean towards Cincinnati. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just talking about collectively. I mean, you got Cincinnati. I mean, you got uh, Coastal oh, Carolina, oh, oh. Marshall. There's a lot of un- Liberty. They're another one. I mean, there's so many undefeated teams and teams worthy of being. Yeah, it's a great yeah, year for a group a, of five, right? Sure, in a COVID era where uh, they're not playing power five teams. Sure, uh, but 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 sure, absolutely, it looks really good for them right now. I'm still not. Don't know if I'll convince I am that any of these teams can beat power five teams yet but any wait 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 when you say power five teams do you talk about top power five teams or any power five teams well oh, well top power five teams i mean i'm not saying they can't come in and beat like uh illinois i hate to shit on them but yeah i think this is very interesting you know we've we've done this in the past where we put out you know our projected group of five uh playoff teams you know Top four there. I think this would be another fantastic year to do it. Of course, yeah. I think Cincinnati. I where would you put BYU though in the playoff? I mean, would you group them in the Power Five or Group of Five? They're kind of like in between, but they're like right, definitely right a top now, team. Right, right now, right now, I still have to go Group of Five because I still don't know who they've really played anybody. Boise State is their best win, and they're blowing it out is, everybody. And- that's the thing. Like, I, I, they're blowing everybody out. They haven't really played anybody. Boise State's a good win. I'm not trying to take away from them, but I, 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 I don't know. It's it's hard to say until I can see them play somebody that you expect them to lose to. I guess. Yeah, there's there's two teams that really stand out to me in all of this that aren't in the Power Five, and that's BYU and Cincinnati. You know, I've been on board with Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely, they're absolutely. they're blowing everybody out. BYU is blowing everybody out. Uh, I mean, God, it's just... You know what this kind of reminds me of, though, Derek? Uh, I I forget the year, but it reminds me of that year that uh, TCU and Boise State were just running the table, and at the end of the year, instead of getting a Power 5 matchup for a bowl season, what did they do? I I believe that was was 2010. Was it 2010? What did they do? They just put... Uh, TCU and Boise State. And Boise like, State. You guys play each other. We're not going to let you yeah. play to the big teams. And I think that was yeah. the biggest kick in the balls for each team. It's like, okay, do we want to know who the but, but lesser I, team is? I, 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 agree, I agree with you to an extent, but it also made for such an awesome match. It did. It did because everybody wanted to but, know but, but, who was better. Yeah, but but I do agree with you to the point where, like, hey, it would have been really good to see how both these teams fare up against the group of five teams. Yeah. And, I mean, who who was uh, – uh, Boise State's coach was uh, uh, Chris Peterson, I think, at yep. the time. Yep. You know? 
And I, God, he was such a good coach there. Yeah, I mean, it was. I've always, I've always latched on to these underdogs. You know, just kind of like in the uh, NCAA in the bracket. You know, everybody loves a good Cinderella team. You know, to ride, ride their coattails because it's a feel good hey, story, right? Just, just, uh, just to spe- speaking of brackets. Uh, just so you know, I don't know if you saw this, but Bill Moose alluded to the fact that we should have a schedule for basketball either tonight or early tomorrow morning. Subject to change. Well, <laughs> Teams are dropping, <laughs> dropping out. I mean, it, yeah, I can't keep up with all the changes. Well, I, the, the Big Ten is supposed to release a schedule either tonight or in the morning. Oh, just Not the Big Ten. Nebraska schedule. The, the Big Ten. Is Got it. Okay. The, yeah, that, that's something. I'll. Yeah, can't wait for that. So, uh, yeah, this is a really fun show here. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Kurt. I hope he listens to this Yeah, part thanks again to Big he, Kurt. He was, he was very fun to have on. He was... Got to have him on. Good guest. Good guest. So, uh, thanks again to Big Kurt from Eyes on Big Podcast uh, for joining us to talk Illinois. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Touchdown! Gives third of the night.